life in the land of the ice and snow. Uh, I'm Heather, and my guest today is Ola from Poland. Hello. Hello, and this time I'm going to start out with uh, having you explain your name, because oh. I know we discussed this before, yes. and Ola, in Swedish, it's generally a guy's name, and so the first time I went to dinner with you, I put that in the calendar, and then my husband was like, who's this guy <laughs> you're going to dinner with? <laughs> Yeah. But it's a nickname, but the nickname in in my experience doesn't really go with your real first name. Yeah, but I always explain it to people as a very American thing, actually. It's the only other nation that would have something similar that people would understand. I For example, so. William Bill. Yes, they that's right. They don't really sound the same or start with the same letter, which I think is the problem, that my name doesn't start with the same letter as my, my nickname, doesn't start with yeah, the you... same letter as my full name. Yeah. So my full name is Alexander. And um, in Poland, we have this culture of having nicknames or pet names for everyone. And they don't always sound like the original name. So, for example, I think my name is problematic because there is another short version of a name that starts with A. Normally, my my name would probably be Ala, not Ola. Okay. But there is another name, Alicia, that is Ala for short. Ah. So it's kind of occupied already. I see. So it has yeah. to have a bit of a. So it has to yeah. be. So it has to be Ola because I don't think there is a a lot of names that start with O. I don't know where it came from. It's just the way it is. And American names, I think, are the only connection that, that people would know immediately. It's like a Richard and Dick. Exactly. And, yeah. Or I think Robert, Bob, because some of the names are more well-known than others, especially Bill Clinton, I think, is a yeah, great because example. Because he's his a real William. name is William. I think in every single country I lived in, it created some kind of issue. That's why I changed <laughs> it a lot in a way that sometimes I said my name was Alex, but, you know, I don't react very well to that name. So it, it always created some issues. When I was in States, people usually would say, hola, hola, uh. or they would ask me, did you know that your name means hellos in Spanish? And I'm like, no, really? <laughs> Never like heard a that one. A thousand times a day. So, you know, like I tried to make it easier for some countries and then it didn't really wa- went very well. I recently even thought of changing my name in Sweden to Alexandra Ola. To because, have both. Yes, as, because it's I see. normal here to have multiple names and I don't have a second name at all. So I thought maybe this could be like a thing you never and know a lot of people in Swedish calls me Ula which I absolutely hate because <laughs> it's another name in Poland as well but speaking so. of names I was trying to look up some things about Poland today and I did find something and you'll have to tell me if this is right or if this is old sure it says that names change depending on the gender like uh, names that end with I think these are more last names yes like that end in SKI or SKA yes that's true yeah so it says here like if your father Father's name is Kowalski. If you're a female, you'll be called Kowalska. And mm-hmm. then it also says that a lot of Polish people, when they move to the U.S., they just stick with the male version since it you don't yeah. change so much. Yes, but exactly. It is it's still true. that yes, way. Yes, yes. And it's very okay. confusing to a lot of people. I, I had my um, neighbors when I was a child. Their name also ended with a ski or a ska. Uh-huh. And they went to Canada where they had family and they went there for a summer school of some sort. So they had problems with people believing them that they're siblings because obviously they had different names. And in Poland, it's not really a different name since the beginning of the surname is more more important. So you brought up TV. The other thing I looked up is that (laughs) (laughs) when it's a a foreign TV show, everything is dubbed, but it's dubbed by one man. Yes. 
Still, all women sometimes. But know, like all of the men. all of the characters yes. are dubbed by one person. Yes, and they don't perform any emotions either. <laughs> I mean, they, they, sometimes they do, but it's awkward and unwatchable. But so, you, before you say anything, it actually is better than a regular dubbing, in my opinion. I can see a benefit to it, and I benefited from this okay, a lot when way? it comes to learning English. Mm-hmm. When you have everything dubbed, you don't really hear English at all. You are just on the mercy of the translator and the people who adapted, and they adapt a lot. This is another thing that you can hear. Even with this person, you, you call it dubbing, we call him a lector. He's, he's reading it out. Like giving a lecture, so he's a lector. I see that. Yeah. But does it go more like a, a narrator kind of thing since it's just one person? Or does he only I say t- the I lines? I would say he's a narrator because he doesn't really strive away from what they are actually saying. He does okay. not say he said, she said. So to me, a benefit of this is that when I was learning English, I could hear what they are actually saying underneath because it's not muted. Yes, I you read that too. You can actually hear them. And this is where you get the emotions, the tone of voice from, or, you know, it goes with the mimics of your face and everything. So you hear their voices. And on top of that, this person that you actually ignore after some time, you just hear what they are actually translating to you. Mm-hmm. It's like having an interpreter. Yeah, like I guess on a, when they're doing a news report exactly. and somebody so it's sort speaks. Of, sort of that. like an interpreter that is okay. not live. I can see that. Yes. Whilst learning, or after I learned English enough to understand what they would be saying in general, I could hear the difference, the edits. How you edit a sentence that is, for example, 10 words into three words, Mm -hmm. just to simplify and make it... I really don't know what the purpose is. I really don't understand the purpose of this edit, because I think it should be as close to original as possible and grammatically correct. So I work a little bit with translation, so this bothers me every time I go mm-hmm. to Poland. Now I have a benefit of turning off the lector on the TV sometimes and just listening to the original because yeah, of smart right. TVs. So uh-huh. some uh, stations allow you to do that. So whenever I go with my partner, who is British, we just turn off the lector and it's it's great. We are not a country of subtitles. However, we are in a cinema. So if you go to the movies, ah. then you will have subtitles and it's still original language in original language okay well that's good that, yeah. that helps I think. I think it was great <laughs> and especially because when i was the teenager i watched a lot of anime uh-huh. and it was actually all original oh that's all. good because i think you get the emotion even if you can't understand what they're and the saying language i think it was um i picked up a lot of a lot back then of course yeah, a lot of japanese it was nice my favorite uh, anime when i was 15 was of course sailor moon uh-huh <laughs> And that's actually read by a Polish uh, Polish woman. Okay. So that was unusual on many levels because we usually, as you mentioned, we have a uh, male lectors. Yeah. But when it comes to cartoons that are girly, it will often be a, a woman, oh. which is really nice. But we should probably cover what brought you to Sweden. Oh. We didn't do that. Yes, we didn't. <laughs> I listened to your podcast and, you know, usually people say love, work, usually love, right? Yeah, it's, yeah I'd love. say like majority, 75%. Mm. For me, I think it's also love, but a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. I met uh, Nate and my, par- my partner online in very weird circumstances. We both played a computer game, online mm-hmm. game, World of Warcraft. We never played together, but we were both reading this website that provided news for Warcraft. So we went to IRC channel, another ancient <laughs> technology to communicate, and we met there. And after a few years, 
we moved in together. So I moved from Poland to UK. Mm-hmm. We lived there for a year. And then he got an offer to move to Sweden to work here for a gaming company. And he asked me if I would join him. And I said, hell yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't, we didn't really worry about anything like ah, Swedish weather, you know, what could go wrong? <laughs> I guess if you're coming then from England, you know, you're like, ah, it's really rainy here. Exactly. Could I mean, be worse. I'm from Poland. We are no strangers to snow. Yeah. And I thought, you know, that's great. It's nice. It's, you know, close to, to home. And But what are some of the things that surprised you then when you came that you just hadn't considered? Do you know what is bizarre? I actually realized that meatballs are a Swedish thing when I moved to Sweden. I didn't understand this. This thing that people would always say, like, oh, meatballs, Sweden, of course. I was like, what? Maybe it's because Ikea, the closest Ikea to my place was like 80 kilometers and we really didn't go there that often. Yeah. Ikea is not cheap in Poland. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we didn't consider it like a, a cheap uh, store to go right. there and eat meatballs. It never occurred to me that meatballs are a Swedish thing, ever. <laughs> Until I moved here, which is, I think, the other way around for most people, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. usually one of the typical stereotypes. So that stereotypes. surprised me a lot, actually, when I realized, why didn't I know anything about Sweden? <laughs> what was the most surprising thing in Sweden? I really don't know. There is a lot, but probably the the general unfriendliness in Stockholm. <laughs> we discussed this so many times. I really don't know how to call it. I try to understand it a bit more when I listen to people on your podcast. Mm-hmm. They bring a lot of different views on that so I yeah think or I'm, theories or theories exactly so I'm I think, learning too yeah so I think it's a little bit more understandable to me right now but it was bizarre that we really didn't know anyone that we didn't work with and still every single friend of mine that I have except for one is somehow related to my workplace we don't have a benefit of having family and school friends in here So we are deprived of that part. Yeah, I think that would be difficult coming here as a couple when you don't have any other connections. I've always thought that was difficult because I've been lucky enough uh, to have my husband who can explain things to me. Like if I need a tax paper, I can ask him how to do it because I would have no clue. I mean, I'm learning this now that I'm here, but just to learn these things. But, you know, if we would move here 20 years ago, as you did... Mm-hmm. I don't think anything would be easy now. Before we moved, we could Google everything. Yeah. The first thing that <laughs> I Googled, couldn't. and I know that a lot of people did this, like, what is the safest neighborhood in Stockholm? Right. And it just made me just laugh because <laughs> the level of crime on the street here is just zero. Yeah. And to Google what is the safest, I mean, after living here for six years, I mean, I know what they mean now, but in, in but reality... compared to a, other countries and other cities. It's a ridiculous question to ask, exactly. It made me laugh when I came and then my husband would be like, well, these certain areas are considered more like ghetto areas. And I'd exactly. go and I'd be like, oh, please, you people exactly. have no it's, idea. Exactly. What do you call ghetto? I mean, what, what, when I hear that... 70s I would, construction, basically. I would think that someone is going to stab you when you go out of the yeah. metro station. And I mean, we lived in Halunda, which is a really remote station at uh-huh. the end of Red Line in Stockholm. And we heard things about this and the station specifically, that neighborhood. And But, you know, never really hap- nothing really ever happened to us that would cons- be considered dangerous. I mean, sometimes it wasn't pleasant, but that nothing ever happened Not there. Not a huge deal. But it or... would be considered like the most, <laughs> the baddest neighborhood in Stockholm. <laughs> 
there's so many little things that even if you look it up on the internet, you're never going to quite catch a lot of the cultural stuff until you're right down in the middle of it. Yeah. And it's stuff that no one could tell you. It's always so hard for me to explain that to people and to other Swedes that, yeah, sure, I can I can tell you what the typical things are, but there's a lot of small things that yes. people think it's so normal that they don't think to warn you about. And then That's you feel true. like people are being rude to you or that they don't want to include you. I think I might have said before, like at work events, they don't invite spouses. Uh, of course, you and, and your spouse work at the same place. Yeah. But if you don't work at the same place, you're not allowed to invite spouses. And where I came from in the U.S., you always invite you can you can invite your spouse or you can invite a close friend or a brother mm-hmm. or sister or something like that. Yeah. And I thought for the whole first year, I thought, oh, my husband doesn't want me along. He's embarrassed <laughs> of me. <laughs> yeah, Just, I can see that. Yeah. But he didn't know to tell me that because he had no idea how it was yeah. over where I came from. And he didn't know why I was getting so irritated. And, and the same with going out to dinner here. He would go out to dinner and it would be three hours. And I'd be like, what? How do you possibly eat dinner for three hours? And then I started going to dinner here, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, it takes about three hours. Yeah. But in the States, they want to get you in and out, so they have the next table. Hmm. And usually you go to a restaurant, you're there for less than an hour, and then you're out. Yes. But around here, it's more of an event, and, and you're visiting and it's it's just a slower process. Nobody is in a hurry. And, and you the don't meal feel has... rushed, do you? No. You never feel rushed. Sometimes it's like the other way around. You kind of want to rush them to just like, let's yeah. end it. <laughs> Bring me the bill, please. Why don't they come with it's the been check? three hours. <laughs> and that's another thing, uh, just on the restaurant thing, is that... Yeah, they'll leave you to yourself yep. and they won't bring you the check. And then you're like, yeah, I'd like to leave, but they won't look over <laughs> but here. But of course it's, it's, you know, it's rude to wave at the waiter or yeah. something. <laughs> what do you do? You never, uh, it's just little things like that. Uh, I think it's, I think I feel the same way. Maybe it's because, you know, it's not that culturally different for me. Mm-hmm. Or even the cuisine is very similar mm-hmm. that I didn't really feel shocked. The way that the food was presented was maybe different, but the ingredients were the same. We're very right. similar in the climate. So it was very similar to Polish cuisine and the food that we eat here is super similar. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't a shock. I don't think I ever had a problem with anything or was shocked right away. There was nothing that hit me like, oh, wow, so different. But there was a lot of very small things. For example, we couldn't order food to the house for a very long time before we got our national number and credit card. You <laughs> cannot buy food and pay like for it delivery. at the door. Exactly. Yeah. You can't even order it without a credit card. And that was six years ago. Very small things like that, like takeout in Sweden, in Stockholm, doesn't exist. I am from a very small city in Poland and it has maybe 90,000 people. Mm. And you can order anything that they have. Oh. Like everything will be delivered to your house here. Pizza, delivered pizza, cold, mm-hmm. stone yeah. cold, uneatable. The idea of takeout food didn't exist six years ago like that. No, and order I, in. I feel like they're trying now and I see these commercials for like, do this Uber Eats. and Yeah, there's and, more companies that do that now. Yeah, but my husband got all excited. Oh, we could do this now. No, we can't because we live in the suburbs and yeah. we're not even that far out. We can walk to what's considered the main city from where we live. But the only things we can get delivered are like the local pizzeria. Yeah, we can't start get with real the deliveries stuff. of any sort because that's another podcast. If you ever yeah, want so. to have like a themed <laughs> podcast, then please invite me. We can talk about post office and deliveries. What about strange words or strange sayings? 
Like I have like anything that you think is is odd. I came up with one today okay. that I think is very odd. And I'm going to try to say it in Swedish. Okay. I'm very sorry if I mispronounce it, but it's Hleget i brevloden, with your beard caught in the mailbox. Oh, I don't know what that means. Okay, so apparently it's like the English, we have an English saying that's like, oh, he got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. Yeah. You got caught doing something yeah. you shouldn't. But for some reason, the Swedes make it like you got your beard caught in the mailbox. Were you okay, trying to one, steal mail? Yeah, that was I guess, not delivered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where does that come from? <laughs> hmm, this is making more sense now with exactly. the current post office. <laughs> and you know, I get it. You know, we've got a lot of hipsters, people with a lot of beards. It's popular. I don't know. Never heard it. Beard caught in the mailbox. I just thought well, that was an interesting you, one. You know, I wish I actually spoke Swedish. I really do. I just uh-huh. it's one, difficult when you work in English. Week, one time a week is not enough for me to make any progress i would need to have a tutor to speak to me on a daily basis about like day-to-day stuff mm-hmm. exactly you go to the store you buy this you go to preschool you talk to the teacher the pleasantries not the ones from the book that nobody really uses no but how people actually talk yeah and how they how they greet you in 15 different ways depending <laughs> on your age and you and know, where the, they come from exactly so i i would i would need that and not the book because Books, English, uh, learning English from books worked to some extent. And then hmm. a lot of TV. Yeah. Then the lecture guy came handy because I could hear the actual <laughs> words. And Sweden, I just, like, I don't have enough. I don't yeah. have enough on a daily basis because they speak English so well. And they are so eager to speak English to you and they have a chance that I don't really have any occasion to speak no. Swedish. And why make it hard on yourself if they're helping you out, like at the school or at the doctor, you need to get something important out. So this maybe isn't the time to try another language. But actually, this podcast helped me a lot to realize that this is not an issue with myself only, but apparently a lot of foreigners feel a little bit, a little bit convenient. I don't know. It's convenience, I guess, for the first few years, because everyone here speaks English And they really don't have to make an effort. And then all of a sudden, after a few years, people even at your job start to judge you a little bit. And are like, how long have you been here? Yes. Uh, (laughs) Six and a half years. uh, And you don't speak Swedish? But I think we got to talk about why we are, okay, I get it at your job, but I do this. Why am I honest with like the taxi cab driver or the person at the grocery store? Because sometimes I'm just really tired and I want to go pick something up. And I'll say it either in heavily accented Swedish mm. or I'll just say it in English because I'm tired. And they'll say, you know, you live here? Yeah. How long have you lived here? And I'll be honest and I'll tell them how yeah. long. And then they're like, they judge me. Well, what, you should be speaking more Swedish. And The it's judgment's like, obvious. It's obvious that they, they I, judge you. I in should a way just that, say, oh, yeah. I've only been here three months. You know? you know what I started doing? Because I got a bit sick and tired of this. And I lived in UK for a little bit and I worked on a uh, on a petrol station. Uh-huh. So I got a lot of interaction with, uh, and it was very British, British city as well. So I got a lot of interactions with people on a daily basis. So I started to be a little bit more, and maybe I didn't lie, but I wasn't very upfront. So instead of saying like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't speak Swedish. Uh-huh. Like I do, I do it now. I say, my Swedish is not really good. Uh, or I say it in Swedish, actually, that I only speak a little Swedish and then switch to English. Nobody ever challenged me on that. 
But my problem is I say it so much that I've gotten that sentence down very well. And then they'll say, oh, but your Swedish is excellent. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, that one sentence. You <laughs> yeah, know? Exactly. I mean, svenska är inte perfekt. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I think to me it helped to, to realize that a lot of people have this issue. Mm-hmm. And they, at some point, they just let it go. And they're like, however I sound, whatever it comes out of my mouth, let it be. It will be what it is. Yeah. But at least I am trying. And also having a, a baby helps a lot because your two-year-old's not going to judge you on your Swedish. So if you say something stupid, they are not going to know. You run into a, a small chance that you're going to teach them something incorrect. <laughs> but, you know, I don't think it's a problem. So I speak to him and it makes me more open to speak Swedish or to say something yes. like that to stranger. It's easier with children. Yeah. It's for me. It's easier with children and other immigrants uh, because they don't judge you on your grammar. Exactly. Yeah, I think so. And it helps having a very small child because then you can also learn at a slow oh, yeah. pace. Unfortunately, Definitely. you learn like all these words you didn't want to learn. <laughs> yeah, bice. Uh. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, but you know, it's 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 day to day stuff. I think it's like. Your normal stuff, so it's important for our for us. It's helpful because our preschool teachers don't really communicate very well. They don't want to communicate in English. Mm-hmm. It's a problem for us, especially for Nathan. He's British, and they, I think, they feel very insecure. Yeah, I understand. Talking to him, they know that I speak a little bit Swedish, and um, so I, I usually ask them if they have a problem speaking English. I ask them say it in Swedish. Maybe there is a chance I will understand. Because it's faster to understand than it is to actually speak. Yeah. So I can reply in in English, but uh, I can can understand. We had an electrician the other day, and um, he felt uncomfortable speaking Swedish or English to me. Mm -hmm. He was very eager, um, but he needed to ask some questions. So he called someone and explained the entire situation to them, what is happening. And I understood everything he said. But, you know, I couldn't... If you would ask me to explain this in Swedish, in Swedish to someone, I would never be able to. But they understood what he said. So when he gave me the, the phone to talk to someone in English, they didn't have to repeat because I know what he said. It's that sort of situation as well that I am aware of words, <laughs> but to formulate them into a sentence. No, and then when another person is talking, if you generally know the subject they're mm-hmm. talking about and you know some words here or there, then the tone as well yes. can give you clues to what they're trying to say. So it is easier than trying to come up with the words yourself. Yeah, of course. And it's, uh, I think, being uh, brave enough to speak up as well, whilst knowing that you could just easily say it in English and everyone would get you. Yeah. So it's just that, ah, I think you either start right away Mm-hmm. And you don't get discouraged by the bad SFE teacher or that someone didn't understand you and asked you seven times to repeat. You either have this willpower to continue at the very beginning or something pushes you later when you feel a little bit more relaxed. But that might come after many, many years. And I felt for a very long time that I already wasted so much time and probably will never pick it up. But I'm trying. Do you have any tips? What do you like to do? Like this time of year is horrible. Um. For this time of year, I actually have a good tip. And Uh um, surprisingly, this tip comes from my brother, who actually doesn't live in Stockholm or Sweden. (laughs) But there is a beautiful, in the botanical garden, I don't know if you Um, you've ever been there. It's some guy's garden. If you can say that in Bergen Garden. Oh, is that how it translates to English? Nice. The Bergen Garden or Hortus Bergianus. 
It's a botanical garden located in Frescati. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like a little north on the red line, and it's right across from the Natural History Museum, yes, it is. which is free. So at yeah. least right now. <laughs> so, if, so if you are in this area, I recommend. It's it's not big, but if you feel blue during winter, I strongly recommend because it's beautiful. It always has some flowers that, blo- that are blooming. I've had another Swedish friend who keeps recommending this to me. Uh, I've been to the outdoor gardens mm-hmm. when the weather is nicer, but I've never paid to go yes. to the indoor. And she says that she likes to go there when she's feeling down. Yes. Just it makes you feel like you're in a summer environment. It, it really helps in winter. Incredible. Yeah. It just gives you this summery weather in the middle of the winter. It's magical. The first time I went in there, I still remember the smell when you go through the door. Always something blooming. Citrus, lots of different types of flowers, different kind of environments for flowers created. So you have a bit like a desert area. So the temperature is much higher and different plants grow. It smells differently in that area. It's beautiful. I get the idea that you can kind of be in there for a while too and just yes, sit a while I don't think, and yeah, they bring have a, a book little, even. Yeah, you can have fika, they have uh, tables and chairs inside so you can eat there. It's, it's really, really pleasant. And then when I was on maternity, I went there a few times with my friends as well. And then it's like having a little bit of a summer in the middle of the winter. But it's beautiful. And if you, are, if you miss a little bit of warmth, then yes. I strongly recommend <laughs> going there because it, smell, it smells incredible and it's very warm as well that's a great so, tip that's yes, a really good one place. this time of year don't count for uh, on the very good food there though so. <laughs> <laughs> well you can go but for a coffee and yeah take your take your sandwich it's also very nice i think you uh, you said it about restaurants nobody rushes you either yeah you don't feel like someone will be like oh you've been here for five hours go away no you just sit there as long as you want and nobody cares really yeah, I think that's nice. It's not so yeah. stressful to go to places like that. It recharges your batteries as well. We got one more thing we got to cover okay. before we end this. This is something that we talked about before we started recording. Yeah. And it's about how everything currently in Stockholm, especially in the suburbs, is covered in ice. Oh. And they don't seem to sand the sidewalks enough. No. So it's making it very difficult. There are so many people every time this year on crutches and with cast on. Yeah. Why can they not handle the snow and the ice You've had hundreds and hundreds of years to get this down. You were telling me Poland can handle this a lot better than Stockholm seems to be able to do. I think they should put the recycling money that they brag about so much into (laughs) handling snow. I don't know, maybe they hire people just to go on the roofs. That's the thing that you see all the time. Oh yeah, the roofs. Shoveling roofs. I know, this creates a lot of dangers, I think. It's much more inconvenient if you get killed by snow falling from or ice falling from the roof instead of like breaking your wrist you know i guess that's that's their thought They're, they they do so. put much more money into the roofs because i do think there's been some incidents where people yeah. have been killed from snow falling down it sounds funny roof. but it isn't it's actually it it happened to me as well i didn't die but <laughs> a huge block of ice hit the ground a meter behind me so Ooh. that that was scary like i am i am aware of snow on a roof now i try not to go anywhere close to 
where they put those little don't go here yeah uh, but you markings. have to understand that yes. and especially i think if you're a tourist or if you just moved here from a country that or a city that does not have snow i never understood I, this never crossed my mind that you might have to shovel snow off a roof because yes. it can harden and get dangerous for People like me who knew nothing about snow, it seems like, oh, it's going to be very soft and it wouldn't be a big deal. Yeah. No, not when it's been sitting not, there not Sweden, no. <laughs> and coming from a, a large height. I think it might be also a difference with the amounts of snow that we get. Poland gets a lot of yeah. snow, but I think in Sweden it's a little bit... It's a little bit different. We don't have this issue with snow melting and freezing over and over and over again, creating layers of yes. ice that melt in April. Or maybe the eco approach because we use salt still in Poland mm-hmm. on the roads. Yeah, I think a lot and of people I don't think stopped. it's legal in Sweden anymore or, or they don't do it a lot. Mm-hmm. I know they do it in some neighborhoods, but they don't do it in, in ours. And it seems like inconveniencing citizens is not a big deal. <laughs> it seems like, you know, the, the roads are pretty okay, but pavements aren't. Or for example, right side of the road will be plowed and there will be sand on it but not yes. the other so it's, it's in my it's neighborhood it's like that like they'll only bother with one side of the street we have like, a stroller oh, i'm not to... sure how are we supposed to cross oh, if no. we have piles of snow on our side and we have to cross to the other yeah sometimes i have to walk in the road just a bit because yeah. they will pile up all this snow and gravel on the side and it's like well there's no sidewalk here yeah. anymore so i guess I i'll just conf- risk it i feel confident with with going on the road which is okay but I, I think one of the really bad things here is yeah it'll snow and that's fine but then we'll get to a point where it starts to melt so you get that layer of ice so you know okay there's ice i need to put on my grippers i need to be careful mm. but then we'll get this nice little soft layer of snow maybe yeah. a couple days later but it's not deep enough and so it looks like oh it's nice powdery snow again and i think that's when we have the most accidents is because you've got that layer of ice underneath a thin layer of snow i don't think anything can explain to me how they handle snow in stockholm i really (laughs) i really cannot understand in our preschool there's a lot of stairs in the yard Mm -hmm. lots of stairs and they just put gravel on the snow and it, at some point it just it's just a slide yes it's no longer <laughs> stairs there's so much snow that people stepped on and then the gravel and then lots of snow and gravel again it just creates a slope i'm not i'm not sure how they deal with that it's so normal in poland that everyone will just shovel it shovel it away if you have to do it every day, do it. I mean, it makes you able to walk on the stairs. I mean, it's kind of crucial. <laughs> no, I've had several times where I'll, here, I'll take no. pictures with my phone to send to people of stairs that are no longer stairs. They are just like, yes. yeah, they're I, a slide of ice. Because it just feels like nobody cares. If it's not a life or death thing, then exactly. they're like, ah, they'll break a few bones. <laughs> I think you have to invite me again in the spring. I will be much I think it'll be happier. interesting to like, if I could take a sample of people I interview during the winter yeah. and people I interview during the Seems warm like you months. you have a lot of angry people lately. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why is it so hard? Yeah. Then you'll have these people starting in like April and May. Sweden is just the most wonderful place. It's true. It, it's true <laughs> it in really the summer. Is. Yes. Yeah. So if you could do, if you could get enough money and do like a half and half thing, oh, that's, yeah. that's the dream in it Sweden, is. I think, it's true, yes. is to live the winter in a warmer country and mm. then to come back to Sweden Doesn't in the summer. It doesn't that warm, just not here. I know. I think not here. You know, somewhere you can walk on the sidewalk without falling down and breaking your <laughs> it's leg. It's true. I think that's oh, I bet the last summer was so beautiful and, you know, 
know, benefit of living in such a beautiful nature is that right next to our house, maybe two, three hundred meters away, we have this beautiful lake called Trecanten mm-hmm. and we have a beach. You can just go and bathe and it's beautiful and clean and, you know, full of children and people and it's, it's just beautiful to go. And all the families are outside in exactly. the summer. It's and, such you know, a nice it's environment. It's so close and you are just in the woods and then you are on the beach and it's yeah. beautiful. And the weather last year was just, it was a bit too much, but at times it was nice to go and But and then swim. when it's a terrible, wet and nasty, icy winter, then yeah. you're like, how could I have ever complained that it was just a little too warm for too long? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I promise I won't complain again. <laughs> Can't wait for the summer. Well, thank you so much thank for, you for, for coming and chatting. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. It was very nice. Well, make sure that you don't slip on the ice and sidewalk. I'll try. On your, on your way out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>